0: And welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chuggus Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information, and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Katrin Egan, and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Emma O'Gorman, Quality Assurance and Origin Green Coordinator at Borbia, to bust some myths around the Sustainable Beef and Lamb Assurance Scheme audit. With over 34,000 audits taking place on Irish beef and sheep
1: farms every year, Emma, what are the benefits at farm level? So at farm level, um, the benefits to being quality assured is that all certified um, bee farmers receive um, a farmer feedback report from Board BIA with their farm's carbon footprint, and that's becoming even more important in this day and age with all the environmental requirements coming around. And this benchmarks you against other farms with similar enterprise sizes. Um, but what it also does is the report also contains advice and feedback on how to mitigate um, various emissions and improve uh, production efficiencies. And this advisory feedback is um, done in collaboration with Chagas and focus on measures set out in the Chagas Mac curve as well. And um, as we all know, sustainability efficiency and financial efficiency go hand in hand. So if you're seeing to yourself that you're using too much fertilizer, why are you wasting your money on fertilizer? And I suppose the big one um, for the on-farm level, it's a part of your inspect bonus as well when you go um, to the factory to be farm-assured. And as part of the quality assurance
0: scheme, what are the main objectives of the scheme?
1: So um, the sustainable beef and lamb assurance program was created as supposed to demonstrate to customers that quality in beef and lamb are produced sustainably under accredited scheme. And so what that means is um, by Borbea auditing farmers against the quality assurance and sustainability criteria that we can prove to our customers that Irish beef farmers is following best practice. And at the moment, this is a base expectation in the marketplace.
0: And we're seeing, like, farmers are used to getting their audit every 18 months. Talk me through what farmers should do in preparation in advance of the audit.
1: Um, I suppose just in preparation for the audit, just to make sure that they've been keeping up with their record keeping, so their animal usage remedies records. And I suppose try and track down any invoice or dockets, or, or put them to one side as they find them, especially for knackery dockets or any silage plastic that they would have um, recycled and sent away just to track down what they've done with their docket. And maybe as well, if you are using the board, be a record keeping book that you have the most up to date one. So a lot of farmers, we'd find like this year, they mightn't have 2021 on their records and might have stopped at 2020. So if that's the case, you can give us a ring or an email and we'll get a new one out to you.
0: And what help is available for farmers in advance of the inspection, completing these booklets?
1: Um, so when a farmer gets their renewal letter, which is about approx four months before the cert expiry date, The letter will provide information on when their start expiry is and I suppose it'll also tell them any issues that were raised at the last audit so they can know to keep an eye on them because the auditor will focus on them in this audit. And then it will also provide them um, information on how to fill out their sustainability survey. So I mentioned the farmer feedback report at the start, so that's sustainability survey um, powers that. So we'll be asking information um, about your fertilizer usage when you spread slurry. Um, anything like that, like any energy efficiencies being done on farm. Um, it also includes an inspection preparation checklist. I suppose well. that's a handy little checklist covering about 20 points that will be covered in the audit. So, like, it's just a reminder to update your animal health plan. And then it kind of gives you a summary of what the requirements um, are as well, if they wanted to refresh themselves. And then we also have a help desk as well, dedicated to helping farmers um, prepare for their board audit as well. And if they're unsure of anything, they could give them a ring. So once the letter comes to the farmer and they've
0: got their pre-audit pack, can you describe the audit process? So once the auditor
1: arrives on the farm, what happens? Um, Yeah, so once the auditor arrives on the farm, they'll introduce themselves and they should be giving you a run through of what they're going to cover on the day. And that will also include um, a confidentiality statement saying they're not going to go down to the next farm on the road and tell you what Mickey Joe up the road was doing. It's all confidential. Um, And then depending on the audit, um, the flow can be different. Some would like to do a walk around the farm and then paperwork, and then some would like to do the paperwork first and then kind of do a reality check walking around the farm. And there should be a no surprise policies as well. So if anything is found as we're going along through the farm, it should be raised with you. And at the end of the audit, then a summary will be given of findings and um, you will be given um, an explanation of why any non-conformance was found, if it was found, and how to go the timeline for rectifying it as well. And from
0: farm auditors that are visiting farms, what are the three most common reasons that they're
1: seen on farm for non-compliance? Um, yeah, so usually it always comes back to paperwork again. So your animal usage records or your animal remedy purchase records, and also having an up-to-date farm risky, risk safety statement. And in relation to the animal remedy usage, how should that be recorded correctly? Um, I suppose the biggest issue we find with the usage records is using the wrong dates. So for example, I'll, I'll use Penstrip for an example. So if you're using Penstrip and it has 33 days of withdrawal, what a lot of people will do is, you see in our usage template even, it'll say what the safe date is. So 23 days from now is the 30th of the night, and that should be the date put down, not 23 days. Okay, and in relation to the
0: purchases, what are the issues that the auditors are seeing?
1: I suppose they should try to think of the usage and the purchase records like a balance sheet. So if you've got something in the usage records, it should be in the purchase records or vice versa. That would be the biggest thing we'd find or something was um, found in the med- medicine cabinet and wasn't on the purchase records. And how should the purchase remedies
0: be recorded?
1: So um, we have a template on that as well in our records book. Um so just basically what we are looking for is that you've recorded what the um, the medicine is and how many days withdrawal goes with it and any date of expiry. And you highlighted there the farm risk assessment. Farmers are
0: legally required to complete this, which is aimed at reducing risk or injury on farm or
1: to anyone that's affected by the work that they're doing. What is the auditor looking for? Yeah, so the, what the auditor is looking for is that you've filled out your farm risk safety assessment um, correctly. And that you've reviewed it annually. And so that's the one that farmers get caught up most by. They might have done it in 2019 and they mightn't have looked at it in 2021. So it needs to be reviewed annually so that you're looking at your various risks on farm and making sure that you're still up to date with them. And what we need is an updated signature at the bottom. There's a page at the front, and you can say, I've signed, I've reviewed it again, and today's date for 21, and that will cover you.
0: And in relation to all the remedy usages and purchases where farmers are using the online herd register, where should all that information be
1: recorded? Yep. So the farm uh, management system software providers um, are fairly good. So all of them are um, accepted by the department. So as long as they're accepted by the department, we're happy to accept them as well. And we're in regular contact with those companies as well. They often ask us if they're missing something or not that we'll get back to them to make it as easy as possible for the farmer not to be causing frustration if they've bought into a software provider and it's not meeting 4B requirements. For farmers that aren't using any software providers, what booklets
0: are, where can they record it?
1: Yep. So as I say, we have um, a farm records book. So if they haven't got one of those, they can ring up and we'll post them out one. Or as long as um, if they look at the back of um, the standards book as well, it will provide a template with all the headings of what we're looking for on farm. So even if they're recording that on their own piece of paper or on an Excel spreadsheet, as long as they've got all the required headings, that will do us. That's great, Emma. And post audit, what happens? Yeah, so um, a lot of the farmers might be surprised to know that it's not the um, auditor that says what's a pass or a fail. So once the auditor has finished his audit, he will um, submit it and the audit body review it. And then it goes to the board Borbea and we will review it. And then it goes forward to the chairman to be certified. So it's quite a thorough um, process. And what score do farmers need to get then to be accredited? Um, So farmers have to score greater than 60% to be accredited. Emma, in rare cases where farmers are not accredited, What happens in that
0: situation?
1: So if a farmer had a failed an audit, um, they would be removed from the scheme and they could reapply within six months. And if they thought that they had been removed unfairly, they could be, they can appeal the process as well. But I suppose it's worth noting as well, if there is not, like you'd have to get quite a few non-compliances to be, um, get a score less than 60%. So one non-compliance would give you a score of 98% just to put it in perspective.
0: What help is available to remedy any issues
1: that arise? Yep, so I mentioned the help desk at the start. So they're also great to help you to um, advise you on what you need to do or help you to close out as well. And Emma, due to restrictions, audits had to be carried out virtually. When are on-farm audits starting again? Yep, um, so from the 17th of May, we gave farmers the option, um, whatever they were comfortable with, to have either an on-site audit or a remote audit. But um, following uh, government guidelines, we'll be back on farm full time from the 22nd of October.
0: And will farmers still have the option for virtual or on-farm audits at that stage?
1: Uh, no, from 22nd of October onwards, we will be back doing um, farm audits full time. Emma, uh, from a farm point of view, what difference does it make if the farm is quality approved or not? Yep. So I mentioned at the start about the inspect bonus. So um, that is one of the factors. Uh, being quality assured is one of the factors in receiving your inspect bonus, but I suppose it's worth noting as well, while your farm may be quality assured, this does not necessarily mean that all your cattle sent for slaughter will receive the quality payment bonus. Um, this payment is dependent on other factors outside of Borbea's control. So I suppose always check with your, your factory buyer what the exact criteria are. So for their demands could be around the age, number of movements or days or residencies. Um, And then for people who aren't always sending their stock to the factory, I suppose you'd always notice there's more demand at the March for quality assured stock as well to meet with the residency period. So as you know, for quality assurance, uh, stock have to meet a 70 day residency period and they can go from one QA farm to another QA farm and stay within that residency period. But if a farmer is not QA'd, they'd have to start from 70 days from day one again. So if people are buying cattle to finish, they're going to want uh, quality short stock so they know they can get their, their cattle to the factory faster.
0: Emma, on a national basis, considering we export over 90% of the beef we produce, what difference does it make that 95% of the beef that's slaughtered is quality assured?
1: Uh, well, it makes a big difference because the vast majority of our best-paying customers, including retailers and large food service operators, have a basic requirement in their specifications uh, for quality assurance as a starting point. Um, and this includes some customers like the likes of Tesco, Sainsbury's, Albert Heine, and McDonald's, which as you know, are big buyers of beef. Um, these customers mostly have a high volume requirement over a narrow band of cuts from carcass. So in order to fulfill the volume, we need to be able to pull off the highest possible number of animals on a week-to-week basis. So quality assurance is essential for us to be able to deliver the rapidly number of proofs that customers are looking for in order to keep them buying in the beef category. And I suppose the common ones we are coming across is they're looking for reassurance on specific proof points like grass fed, I suppose, sustainability, carbon footprinting and animal welfare and antibiotic usage are becoming even bigger topics for us. And then um, as a member of the European Union as well, it's a requirement for Ireland to be able to promote our product domestically and abroad. Finally, Emma, what advice have you for farmers listening that they're getting ready now for their audit? Yeah, I suppose don't be um, getting stressed unnecessarily. You will, if any issues are found on farm, you will have time to close them out. And um, if you're working with us, we'll work with you all along. We won't uh, kick you out unnecessarily. Um, we have been trying to um, promote helpful tips and tricks to help you get across the line. So we have done some articles with the Farmers Journal and Agriland recently. And these can also be found on our website and also our help desk are a great resource as well to help with any queries you'd have. That's great Emma, I'll include all the links in the text with the podcast. Thanks
0: very much. Thank you. That's all for this week's episode and my thanks to Emma for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on Apple and Google podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our beef program, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.